0: Father, I thank you for this morning and just the picture of your body gathering together in these different groups of people and just lifting up our our prayers and our anxieties and our concerns to you, our Father. Um, I just bless your name for this community and for the friendships and the relationships that are being built um, in your presence and in your spirit. Um, Just what a blessing. Um, We just pray that um, your truth and your voice would go forth this morning Um, in each way that we need. Um, in our lives, we just need to to know you more. We need to know you better. We need to know you deeper. Um, So God, would you just uh, infiltrate this room? Would you infiltrate our hearts? Um, Would we not be thinking about the person to the right or to the left of us, but would we just focus on our own hearts? Um, Would you just move in us in a way that you are um, only able to do, Lord? Um, So we just honor you and we bless you this morning. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our risen Savior. Amen. Man, well, I feel like I'm on Trading Spaces. I don't know if anyone's ever watched that show, but my mom loved Trading Spaces and we would record them on VCRs. I have no idea how that technology worked, but you could record TV shows onto a tape and then play it back somehow. Um, yeah, um, I feel I'll be very like transparent and vulnerable out of my comfort zone um, doing this. And there's a part of me, as I was just kind of preparing this week that there's this desire maybe in my flesh to almost like lower the bar for myself um, so that our expectations aren't as high maybe. Um, And I think God just really convicted me in that and just the truth that, you know, it's not in my own confidence, it's not through my own words that his word is gonna go forth, but it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's through the truth of the word of God. And I would never lower the bar for God's word and for God's truth. So um, I just wanna pray again real quick as we jump into God's word. Um, So if you would, let's close our eyes together just real quick one more time. Uh, Father, I just pray that your word would be our guide this morning, that your spirit would be our only teacher, Um, and may the glory of Jesus Christ be our only concern. We pray this in his name, amen. So if you have your Bibles with you, um, we're gonna jump into Philippians two. I'm gonna kinda take off right where we left off last week, um, where Dave spoke on this passage. Um, So if you would, let's pull up Philippians 2, and we're just going to read this. This morning, I'm going to read from the NLT. I just really like some of the words and the images that are given in this translation, but um, you can read from whatever you have with you. So this is what it says, Philippians chapter 2. It says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but look to the interests of others. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. What a powerful, powerful passage of scripture. Um, I'm really, really actually glad and excited to teach on this passage because um, my first two days of being a part of restoration before I even met most of you, um, I actually asked Dave if I could go on a vacation. That was the first thing I did. Um, It wasn't really a vacation as much as it was. Um, I I felt like I needed to really just get away with God and um, ask him to just kind of speak truth into me. Um, I kind of needed to take some time away from where I was um, to kind of reset my mind. And one of the questions I was asking ultimately was just what is my purpose um, beyond just my, my job and my day-to-day life? Like, what are you really calling me into? Um, what is kind of the ultimate desire of how you've, you've wired me and gifted me? Um, what is that kind of deeper purpose? And this passage was actually something that really stuck out to me that God really illuminated for me in those couple days. Um, I just kind of went up to Ludington and I stayed in this kind of amazing castle Airbnb thing that was there and God really just spoke to me in so, so many ways. Um, A lot of it was through this, um, just this idea of humility. Um, Humility is something for me that I've always desired in myself that I, I, I want to just be better at that. And it's something that I think God has wired me and is showing me and growing me in that. Um, And as I've been getting to know restoration and kind of learning your story and getting to know all of you a little bit better, it really has become clear to me that God wasn't speaking this concept over me specifically. He was speaking this over this group of people, He was speaking that over this body, um, this idea of lowering ourselves. Um, And so I'm just really excited because I really believe that God um, has something for us this morning in this passage. Um, so we're gonna just dive into it. And before I, I, we get into the, to, to humility itself and getting more into this passage, I actually wanna take a step back and talk about kind of what's happening maybe underneath this. Um, and I wanna talk about our identity in Christ, who we are as believers, and who we are when we put our faith in Jesus. And I think we kind of, even just the phrase identity in Christ, it's almost like a Christianese thing now. I, I hardly know what it means anymore. Um, but it's so, so impactful and so important that we understand what that is and who we are. Um, so I wanna talk about, before humility, what is kind of happening underneath this passage um, that I think is so important for us to understand. And so I, I wanna start by um, actually jumping into Second Corinthians chapter five, if you could pull that up, Mallory. Let's read this together. It says, for God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ says this, that we are Christ's ambassadors. I've always grown up knowing that word, um, and I've always taken it to mean, you know, we are kind of meant to display Christ, um, to be his representatives on earth. And, and yes, that's, that's true. That's ultimately what it means to be an ambassador. Um, but I think we have to really, we have to really understand that every day that we live. Um, Austin Bonneville actually has a really, really great visual example of what it means to be an ambassador, because he's He's been um, all over the world, spending a lot of time in Africa. And he told me about the story, some of you may know this, but he um, was a part of this conference of leaders that were coming from different countries. It was kind of this coming together, um, and they were um, just going through missions together. And there's ambassadors from different countries that are meeting together, and they're kind of the representatives of their country. And Austin told me that he got to know the ambassador of the Czech Republic, and they began talking. And Austin ended up going to his house for dinner. Um, And so they're in in the middle of Africa, and he's going to the the ambassador of the Czech Republic. And he steps into his house, and it was like stepping into a different world. He said the decor was all Czech Republic. They were speaking the language. The food was Czech. Um, It smelled different. It was like stepping, it was like going through the back of the wardrobe into Narnia, like in the middle of the desert of Africa. And he said, he, he walked into that place, and his first thought was like, where am I? Like, who is this person? And um, it was just this crazy moment for him. And that's such a perfect example of really what it is to be an ambassador. Um, because the truth is, we, most of us, we, are, we may be citizens of America, but we have an eternal citizenship, that we are actually foreigners here on this earth. Um, we are not citizens of America from an eternal perspective. Um, we are citizens of heaven. Um, And so that's just a question that I ask myself is when I'm here, do people think that I'm from here or do people see me when they interact with me? Do they ask themselves like, who is this person? Like, where am I right now? What language is he speaking? Um, Because truthfully, that is our calling is to be the representatives of heaven on earth. And in a lot of ways, there are people in your life that if they are going to get to know who God is, if they're going to know who Christ is, it's going to be through you. Um, that's how God moves in his body. Um, so I, I ask myself when I wake up in the morning, do people ask those questions when they're with me? Do people ask those questions when they spend time with Christ's body? Do they feel like they're somewhere else? Do they feel like they're a part of something eternal? And I kind of want to take that even a step further and talk about uh, the temple. Um, so if you want to throw that picture, Mallory, up. This is um, this is a, an image of what we we know the second temple for the most part looked like. Um, And so I just want to briefly explain for those that maybe are unfamiliar. In the Old Testament before Jesus' time, um, God sort of chose to put his presence in specific places. Um, And it began in the tabernacle, which when the city, um, or excuse me, the the people of Israel were kind of nomadic and moving around, they had a a tent that they would take with them. It was called the tabernacle. And that was the literal presence of God that went with them in this this tabernacle. Um, It eventually... They built a permanent place for God's presence to be. and um, There were a couple iterations of it. And so this is, um, there's very specific instructions that are in scripture of what the temple was to be. And you can kind of see there's like an outer section and it kind of goes inward and inward. There's kind of those inner walls and then there's a door to go further in. And I've always kind of thought it's like you're getting more VIP the further in you go. And at the very, very center of the temple was called the most holy place, and that is where the literal presence of God resided. And only priests were allowed to go in there, so it was kind of this very specific, um, I think of it like very VIP, like only few people could actually experience that presence of God. Um, And what we know is that it says when Jesus died on the cross, that the veil that separated that room from the rest of the temple was actually torn in two. And what that represented was that God's presence was no longer going to stay in one place, but it was gonna go into his body. And it says that the presence of God is now within us. Um, It says in 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says this, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? I mean, do we take that seriously? That God's presence is within us? Um, I think in order for us to really live that out, it requires us to completely deny ourselves and to completely live for Christ because if we are God's temple, it means this, um, in Galatians 2.20, it says this. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives within me. Um, You know, this is on us. (laughs) You know, we are the ambassadors of heaven. Um, Thank you. You know, it's why when we talk about a concept like humility or we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, um, it's not like a suggestion. It's like we have to do this um, because we are his temple. We are his body. It is in you that the light of the world resides. Um, And so I just think that's an important thing for us to think about when we think about the concept of humility. Um, This is who we are if Christ lives within us. Um, And so I want to talk about this Um, as it's defined in God's word. I don't want to talk about humility from my own personal experience, um, but I do want to say, um, just in my own heart and in my own experience, just in in kind of Western culture and and maybe Western Christianity that we um, are maybe a part of here, I think this is maybe the most, one of the most important things for us to live out as the body of Christ. Um, and, And truthfully, I would say that I think it's one of the things that we struggle with the most. Um, And I think one of the reasons for that is, when I think about humility, I think I have a lot of misconceptions about what it really means to be humble. And I think I've tried to be humble in ways that don't really, it's actually the opposite of humility and actually turns into pride. Um, And so I kind of made this list, if you want to put up that next slide, Mallory, of just maybe what humility is not. And I want to kind of start here because I think these are all just things that I think I have done in my life, in my past, And I think God has just really convicted me of these things. Um, Humility is not putting yourself down. Um, Humility is not trying to appear less than who you are. It's not dismissing the gifts that God has given you. It's not doubting yourself. That last one's kind of specific, like dismissing compliments. But that's like a a, a good example, I think, of what this would be. Um, I remember like I would grow up, I took piano lessons for so long, and I would have all these piano recitals and I would, you know, people would come up to me and talk to me and and compliment and say, man, you did such a good job um, on your piece. And the first thing I would do is like, yeah, I kind of screwed up this part. I kind of screwed up this part. And it was kind of in my own flesh, my attempt to kind of appear humble. It's because I didn't want to sort of accept the compliments of people kind of telling me that I did a good job. Um, There's a reason why all of this um, is not what Paul is talking about. And there's a reason why this is not Christ's humility. And it's because of, a very simple truth, which is that you are God's masterpiece. Um, God knitted you together to be exactly the way that you are. Um, before you were born, he gave you the gifts that you have. He gave you the, the, the giftings and, and, the, and the things about you that give you the ability to be a part of his kingdom, the things that nobody else has that are placed within you. Um, this is so, so powerful. And it's almost like when I, when I downplay myself, and when I dismiss the gifts that God has given me, it's almost like I'm, I'm challenging even the handiwork of God in me. I'm challenging those things because, you know, God has made me um, to be exactly the way I am. And so we should never downplay that. We should never, um, we should never dismiss God's work in our lives. Um, and so this is, this is not humility. Um, and I, I wanna give a, an example from scripture um, that I think is such a powerful story. And it's one that we all know really, really well. Um, but sometimes I think we don't—we don't know it. We don't know it in the way that it's, it's meant to—that um, it was—that was, that it, was an, it was intended for us to read. And so there's this picture that I found um, I, just because I think it's funny. Um, but this is Jonah and the Big Fish. And many of you maybe grew up with a, a storybook Bible or something like this, and we, we've seen this kind of image before. And this is the first thing I think of when I think of Jonah. It's, it's the story of Jonah being swallowed by a fish and, and then being spit out. Um, this is really not what, what the book is about. Um, it's really not about the fish at all. The fish is kind of just a prop in the story, but I think in our attempt, I understand that it's, it's, a, very, um, it's a very visceral image, and that's why it's, it makes a good kid's story. But even in my own heart, I think I, I've missed the point of this book. Um, and I think there's an amazing example of, of God's provision. Um, and really what it is to be humble in this story. Um, so just a very quick summary. Most of us know the story of Jonah, but I want to um, just quickly walk through it with you. So Jonah was a prophet of the Lord, and um, God had called him to go to Nineveh, uh, basically to call them to repentance. Um, and I think it's important that we understand who the Ninevites were in this. Um, the Ninevites, this is going to sound really dramatic, um, but honestly, the best modern day example that would help us get a picture for these people were would be Nazi Germany. That would be the, the clearest. That's actually a pretty apt comparison in terms of the type of people that they were. Um, these were evil people. These are, this is a group of people that would take kids and murder them in front of their families. Um, and I grew up thinking that Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because he was scared and he was scared. And that, that may have been true. But what it really says in the word of God is he he, he didn't want to go because he didn't think that they were deserving of God's grace. He didn't think that they were deserving of God's mercy because of the type of people that they were. And so when God called him to go, God said that he, God will destroy the city of Nineveh um, if they don't turn from their ways. Um, and Jonah essentially said, I'm not going to do that. Um, and so he ran away. That's where the fish comes in. God just sort of steers him there um, against his will in a way. He gets swallowed by the fish. The fish spits him out onto dry land. He ends up going to Nineveh. And it's kind of this like, I imagine it being a very reluctant, spiteful, one-sentence sermon. It says that he preaches to the Ninevites. Um, He doesn't even really want to be there. And in like an ironic twist, it actually works. works. Um, and the people of Nineveh completely turn from their ways. They accept um, that they need to repent, and God spares them. Um, and that's usually, like, where the story ends, like, for, in a kid's books. It's, it's kind of, that's the end. And I think it's really what happens after that that is the most interesting and provocative part of the story. Um, and it's, it happens in, in Jonah chapter 4. Um, so if you want to pull that up, Mallory, um, it says, oh, well, this, this is just something, sorry. know, you, you can go back to that, Mallory, sorry. This is something that's just really interesting that, that I just want to point out, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but um, when Jonah was in the belly of the fish, he says, um, oh Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Um, and we read in Psalm 138 that though the Lord is great, he cares for the humble, but he keeps his distance from the proud. Um, just kind of an interesting, something to point out there as Jonah was, was running away from God. Um, so I want to read what happens in Jonah 4. This is this is the last chapter of the book, and it's not the chapter that I've really spent much time in, but I think this is where the heart of this story comes in. Um, so, God has decided to spare the city of Nineveh, and and this change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. He says, "Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry." And filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. Um, Meaning that God will destroy the city of Nineveh. And then the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? And just to summarize what happens next, God creates a plant to provide shade over Jonah. um, And then the next day he destroys it. And... This is what Jonah has to say about it at the end of the the book. I just wanna go to that next verse there, Mallory. It says, God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? And yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? The end. That's, that's how the book ends. It's, it's such an interesting, there's no resolution. It's just this tension between Jonah and God. Um, and for me, it's really easy to read that and kind of just think to myself, like, Jonah's kind of the worst, you know? Like, how he, of course, like, we should have compassion. We should want people to receive God's mercy. Um, and, it, and it's kind of this really... It's hard for me to like put myself in Jonah 's shoes in this. Um, I want us to really look inward in this story um, and really think about it um, because we don't necessarily understand the context of Jonah and the Ninevites, um, but I think if we look at ourselves, and I mean look at our culture I and mean, we look at where we are today, um, I think God is still teaching us through this story, some things, because ultimately. Um, Jonah put himself above the Ninevites. He said, I am deserving of God's mercy. I deserve God's compassion. But because of who these people are, they're actually lower than me. um, And they don't deserve this. Um, Which is pride. That's what pride is. So what I want us to do, again, um, without thinking about the people next to us, um, and without thinking about anything other than kind of maybe what God is speaking to us, I want you to really think about like who who are my enemies, because um, we don't have enemies like the Ninevites today. But I think, I think we do. Um, we do have enemies um, in our hearts that maybe um, we're just not even we don't even think about it all the time. And I'm going to get very specific because I think it's important to do that um, to not sugarcoat this or to be um, to kind of make it not seem as as as, as deep as this is. Um, But what I want you to do is is just to think about people maybe that just believe differently than you. Um, Maybe believe, have different spiritual beliefs than you that aren't Christians, that are lost. Um, People that have different social beliefs than you. People just are with different agendas that are after different things than you. Um, People that have hurt you. People that want to prove you wrong or people that you want to prove wrong. Um, and I want you to think about even politically, are there specific people, are there political parties, are there entire groups of people that you see as fighting against you, um, people that are after different things than you? And I think it's just important to be specific about that. Like, who, who are these people that are kind of the enemies of our hearts? Um, and just ask the simple question about that. I, I want you to ask, like, would you rather see them receive judgment or grace? You know, what is the posture of your heart towards Towards that person, um, would you rather see them receive judgment or receive grace? And maybe another way, maybe another way to ask that is, you know, would you would you wash their feet? Would you get down on your knee and serve them? Um, is is that your first inclination, or is your first inclination to want to prove them wrong? Um, because I think if Jonah is kind of this imperfect representation of, of, of humility. Um, We were given the perfect representation of humility in Jesus Christ. Um, And I think if we look at his life, we begin to see that uh, we have a long way to go (laughs) in living this out as God's church. Um, And so I wanna kinda go back to what you were talking about last week, Dave, that um, this is the son of God. Um, This is the one who was the word in the beginning, who was at the beginning of all things, who was with God as he created the world. Um, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace, um, Emmanuel. Um, this is this is the God who came down in flesh, um, and I want to start actually at the end of His life um, on the cross. You can't, you hardly see that photo, but um, Jesus hanging on the tree. Um, you know, this was the most humiliating torturous, painful, um, publicly, it's almost like a public mockery of a person. And this is the, in my mind, one of the worst deaths available to a human. And this is how the son of God uh, came to die for us. He came down to be our savior, um, to be the friend of sinners and we put him on a tree and crucified him. Um, You know, that was God's will. For him, that was, that was the method in which God chose um, to be our sacrifice. And I think right there is, is, is just a picture of humility in that. Um, Jesus was um, also one that um, I mentioned before, but he was someone who washes um, the feet of, of his disciples. Um, I mean, can you imagine just knowing that this is the son of God and he's getting down on his knee to wash your feet? Um, I think that's just an amazing picture of humility, um, that he didn't say he was above anybody, even though he was the light of the world. Um, he got down on his knee and said, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to put myself beneath you. Um, he was the friend of sinners. Um, this is such a cool, a cool, um, part of, of the, of the gospel to me, um, there was this just this tension between like the religious leaders of the time and who Jesus really was, who they expected Jesus to be, and um, you know he associated with all of the people who were, um, you know, kind of considered lower by societies—the Samaritans, the Gentiles, the poor, the sick, the handicapped, the 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 publicans, the women, and the children. These people that by society standards were considered like the the religious leaders of the time didn't associate with them, um, but it says that Jesus was their friend. Um, he never left the impression that he was above them, but he, he, he loved them and he served them. Um, and I think um, maybe the most powerful and visual examples of Christ's humility um, is what we're celebrating this month and his birth. Um, and I found this picture because I think in a lot of ways we see art of the nativity scene and we see um, pictures of you know, the inn and the stable. And we, we really kind of make it very, very beautiful and very polished, and we see that in um, kind of the ways that we, that we look at it. But I think this picture is actually pretty more accurate um, to what it probably was, where Jesus was born, just like a dirty, smelly, poopy, stable of animals. Um, like, this is where the Son of God was born. Um... That's just so moving to me, and we don't even really think about it so much. But I mean, this is this is where He was placed. You know, we know He was born in a manger, but like this is a feeding trough. You know, this is where animals ate from. This is where that that sheep maybe was was eating from. And um, you know, this is this is the light of the world coming down to us in the in the most lowly of places. Um, and I think He He came right from the very beginning in this posture of of, of lowliness. And so um, there's just a, a few questions I want us to, to kind of ask ourselves as we, um, as we celebrate his birth um, this Christmas season. Um, first of all is how have I put myself above others? Um, what are the ways in which I have sort of considered myself higher or considered myself more, more valuable or considered myself more worthy of grace and compassion like Jonah maybe? Um, how can I ask God to change my heart in that way? Um, number two is whose feet can I wash? Um, who are the people in my life that maybe God has placed around me that I can, um, I can get down on my knee and serve them and wash their feet and love them? Um, and then number three kind of for us all together is how can restoration display the humility of Christ? Um, what I love about that third question is I think that we have a pretty amazing specific opportunity to do that. Um, so I wanna, can you throw up that picture, uh, Mallory? So this, this is Bethel Church um, and for those that, um, for those that don't know, um, like Dave shared, on January 9, we're gonna be joining with them um, and I think ultimately this is the perfect opportunity for us um, to display the humility of Christ um, by joining with another body Um, how can we wash their feet? I think even in in myself, I think about us going to to a place like, like Bethel and I can very easily say like, man, there are some things that we can do that we can teach them and show them and lead them in. And I think there absolutely are ways, but... What does it mean for us to come in and say, you know what, we're not above you. We don't necessarily have things more figured out than you. Um, We wanna come underneath you and serve you and wash your feet. Um, i want to put your needs above my own. What does that really look like for us to put the needs of another church above ours? I think that God, um, we really believe as we've been praying through that, excuse me, that um, this is the will of the Father. Um, We don't know for how long, Um, but I know that it is not his will um, for us to kind of come in, take over, and um, kind of put ourselves in that place of of kind of being above them, but to come and be servants, um, to display the humility of Christ to them. Um, And so I think for ourselves, as we think about our own lives, what does it mean to get down on a knee? I think as a church, we have an amazing opportunity to do this together. Um, to get down on our knee and to serve um, Bethel Church, and I think if we are able to do that, and if Bethel is able to do that as well, if we if we approach um, if we approach that with humility, um, God's going to do something really cool. I, I really really believe that. Um, I think He's going to do something really amazing, even if it's just for six weeks. And I just want to share this. Um, when we when we met with him, there was a um, John went down into the basement with. What's her name Mary Wendy and um you know this is this is an older church um this is an older group of people and we went he went down to the basement and there were like just this beautiful like the walls were painted everything was spotless it was like this amazing space and Wendy said that she had painted all this by hand like a couple years ago she she wanted to paint this whole room because she really wanted it to be a place where children could come and be ministered to and to know the love of Jesus and they don't even have any kids um they don't have anyone that can do that, but they were just praying that there would be children to come sometime, that they would have the space ready for them. And um, that just, that just like, kind of broke my heart a little bit. But and myself, I'm like, even if this is a you know, for just a few weeks, but we are able to come and just to fill that space with children for them. Yeah. Like that would just be, a, that, can you just think about the blessing that we could be in that? Um, and so that's, that's just one example of like, I think how we can come in and serve um, just, to, just even just to provide children for them to, to minister to, um, and um, I don't want to spend you know more time on that than I need to. But um, I, I really see in Bethel um, a heartbeat that is so similar to ours. It's just such a different expression of it. You know, it just looks so much different. And so that's where I would say, if we can come in it t- together with this posture of Christ's humility and say, I'm, I'm going to come in here into this new situation that in a lot of ways probably in my flesh I'm going to leave. Um, maybe a Sunday morning be like, man, I, I don't like how that was changed. I don't like how we're not doing this. Um, I didn't like the songs we did this week. Um, instead of coming in and to think, and, and to think in, in a particular week, what can I gain from this? What, how can we say, what can I give to this? How can I serve in this opportunity? Because um, that's, that's who Jesus was. Um, he just served, he loved, he got down on his knee and he washed others' feet. Um, and so I just wanted to end with that Philippians passage one more time. And so, just to read these words one more time, Um, it might be be, be back at the top, Mallory, just the the first, maybe just the second slide that was highlighted, um, if you can find that. Because I think this is is our challenge, um, is to not be selfish, to not try to impress others, um, but be humble, Um, to think others as better than yourself. Um, Don't look out for your own interests, but look to the interests of others. Um, he must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Um, And so that's who spirit lives within us. Um, If we are the temple, that is is, um, who we are. Um, It is not us who even live anymore. It's Christ within us. And so... Um, I just believe that that's who God's calling us and challenging us to be today. Um, so let's just pray. Father, um, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for truth. Um, we thank you that um, you came and gave us the perfect example of who you're calling us to be, um, that we don't have to figure it out on our own, but we have um, a friend and a savior um, who lived on this earth and gave us... Um, just that example of what it is to be a, to be a, a person of humility. Um, and so we worship you this morning, the son of God, the one who was crucified for us so that we could have eternal life. Lord, may we take that, that mantle of responsibility. May every day we say, I'm gonna pick up my cross and I'm gonna follow you. And God, I pray for this church um, as we move forward, as we um, step into some new things, God. Um, May we not put ourselves and may we not put our own interests above the will of yours, God, but may we surrender to you. I just pray for that posture of surrendering before the Father, surrendering before the King of Kings and saying, God, it is your will that we want done here. It is not our own desires that we want to be accomplished, but it is, um, it is through the Son of God um, that we are set free. And so we, may we just exude that freedom um, and may we display that um, for all to see. So we thank you, um, and we pray this in the name of
1: Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together. And I want to sing uh, Joy to the World. But then I also uh, want to transition into just really asking the Holy Spirit to give you a specific way that you need to surrender to Jesus, a way that you need to empty yourself and serve others. You know, if I'm honest, I was sitting there um, just thinking... I wish Philippians 2 wasn't in scripture. I wish I could just rip that out. Because that call to live selflessly, the call to die, like we want our rights. We want things to be about us. And I've heard this about humility, and I just like this uh, description. It's just humility is not thinking less of yourselves. It's not beating yourself up like Tyler was saying. It's thinking of yourself less. Not thinking of your own interests, but emptying yourself. And as we celebrate Jesus coming to us and joy to the world, the King coming to us, I want to follow that up by singing just a song of surrender because we receive so much, and then He calls us to die and to reflect His glory to this world. But that takes us just emptying ourselves. So let's sing this this uh, Christmas Carol, "Joy to the World." Joy to the
2: world, the Lord is come. Let earth
1: said about us, about the world, so God loved the world, and he sent his son Jesus to them, and he works through his body, he works through us, but that calls, that that means that we got to die to ourselves, and so let's sing this song, all to Jesus I surrender. that everything that we do would bring glory and honor to you. We don't want anything of that glory. And so we just, we ask Jesus that that you would fill us with your spirit today, that we would live lives where we become less and less and less and less. That we would take that posture of you, Jesus. That we would humble ourselves. That we would die to self. That we would truly live, like we, we no longer live, but you live in us. We have been crucified with you. So I do pray that we who live today and every day this week that makes people curious and wonder. If they're different. There's something unique about them. But we need your Spirit's power to do that. We can't do that on our own. So we're asking that you would fill us and that this world would truly see how great you are. We pray this all in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. Everyone said, Amen. We continue to, to worship as we interact with one another and like I say, always the this is just as important as our time together uh, singing and opening up God's word is uh, talking and interacting with one another and so just follow the spirit's leading and who he's directing you to to, to talk with and to pray with. so uh, have a great Sunday and if you could help with chairs that would be awesome. That-